Good morning, everybody, and uh, a very happy new year from me as well. Let's be quiet and pray for a moment. Father, we thank you for the privilege of starting this new year in your presence. We ask that you'll draw near, speak to us, show yourself to us as we sit at your feet and come to your table. We ask it through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, it's great to be looking at a fantastic passage, or two incredible passages in John uh, and in Colossians. And the title I've given to you today is Searching for Meaning. Do you know, it's scarcely possible to imagine ourselves back two years and to think that now we are virtually in the same position as we were two years ago with the pandemic. Now, yeah, I know there have been incredible changes. The uh, amazing haste with which vaccinations were produced and the incredible rate at which they've been rolled out, um, especially in Western countries, although real concern, of course, about elsewhere. But the, uh, the virus continues to have a real sort of threat for all of us, as we well know. And it's not the only thing. There are many, many others. I mean, one in particular, of course, that we've only become aware of very, very late in the day is the question of climate change. And we've only woken up to that at the very last minute. And it reminds us, as does the virus, that life is really quite short and fragile. So where on earth are we going to find hope and strength and meaning for our lives and for the future? Where do we look for answers? A man called Viktor Frankl, years ago, wrote a book, an amazing book, called Man's Search for Meaning. It grew out of his experience in a concentration camp. And he came to the conclusion that what gives us meaning in life is those we have the closest relationships with, those we love and who love us. And the way he expressed it was, that's how you find a why to live. And he went on to say that the person who has a why to live can live with any how. Whatever the conditions, somehow it's people who give meaning to life. There's a man called Gus Speth, who is an American writer and leading academic, who's been at the heart of climate change um, politics on a global scale for well over 50 years. This is what he wrote recently. He said, I used to think that the top environmental problems were biodiversity loss, ecosystem collapse, and climate change. I thought that with 30 years of good science, we could address these problems, but I was wrong. The top environmental problems are selfishness, greed, and apathy. To deal with these, he wrote, we need a spiritual and cultural transformation. And we scientists don't know how to do that. The award-winning film about the life of Stephen Hawking was called, you remember, The Theory of Everything. And even more famous scientists from an earlier generation, Albert Einstein, after he sort of formulated the theory of relativity, spent the rest of his life looking for what he described as a unified field theory, by which he meant a scientific way of explaining everything that there is. Um, he never found it. 
And actually, what he said was that in any case, he knew he would never find it. He said like this, he, he said it, would, uh, it wouldn't even tell us the most important things we need to know, let alone everything. But this is what he wrote at the time. He said it would be possible to describe everything from a scientific point of view, but it would make no sense. It would be without meaning, if you describe, as if you described a Beethoven symphony as a variation in wave pressure. It says it all, doesn't it? What, what they're all getting at is that there is another more important dimension to life. We need a spiritual and cultural transformation. We're grateful for all that science has done, and never more so than in the past couple of years. But it doesn't provide all the answers. It doesn't tell us even the most important things about life that we need to know. And that's where we come to the passages this morning, because they lead us into this other dimension, don't they? Interesting, too, that Einstein wrote, I don't know if you've come across this quote ever, he said, there are only two ways to live your life. One is as if nothing is a miracle. The other is as if everything is a miracle. And that's what is expressed in these readings this morning. And they help us to delve into the mystery and meaning of everything. I'm reminded of a man who, uh, years ago, was captivated by the a painting of a famous cellist in an art gallery. He used to go into the gallery and he'd sit there two or three hours a day just looking at this painting. And eventually the steward came up to him and he said, um, what is it that you find so fascinating about this painting? And he said, shh, I'm listening to the music. And I think John chapter one and Colossians chapter one invite us to listen to what Einstein also described on another occasion as the music of the spheres. The answers were given in John 1 and Colossians 1 are full of mystery and they're full of wonderful meaning. What do they tell us? Let me run you through just some selected things. They tell us that our God is the God of absolutely everything. He's the source of everything, he created everything. The way Genesis starts is in the beginning. The way the Gospel of John starts is in the beginning. God is the one through whom everything came into being. He created all things and he did it, as we've read, through the word who became flesh and dwelt among us. Without him, nothing was made that was made. Through him, all things were made. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. So he's the source of everything. Paul repeats the message in this incredible magisterial passage in Colossians. By him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now you put all that together. Christ is the source of all things. 
He sustains and upholds all things. He is supreme over all things. All that we could possibly hope to know about God are fully revealed in the person of Jesus Christ, personified in him, conveyed through him. In and through him, all human beings, all things in heaven and on earth um, find their true meaning. Isn't that incredible? So if Christ is given his proper place in life and in the world, it is brought back from its alienation to a relationship with each other, with God, real harmony so that everything uh, is restored to what it was meant to be. All things is the phrase repeated again and again in Colossians 1. The meaning of all things is in him. The meaning and purpose of our lives is in him. The only hope for our world is in him. He is the focus of everything there is, everything that can be. Can you hear the music of the spheres? I think it's fantastic, I really do, that this is the magisterial, cosmic portrait of Christ that is painted in both of these passages. This is the Christ who has come to us, whom we love and whom we worship. So he's the God of everything. He is also a God, the Bible tells us, and these passages tell us, who communicates, because both John and Paul bring us from this, this wonderful sort of picture of Christ over all things, right the way down to earth. They tell us that this God who is above all and in all didn't remain aloof, he communicated with us, his creatures. So Christianity, you could say, is an exercise in communication. And what do we do when we communicate? Well, we do the obvious thing, we use words. What has God done? We have a word from God. What's happened is that he has spoken. In fact, that's how everything started anyway. Look at Genesis, and God said, and it was so. And God said, and it was so. He simply spoke the world into being. And the psalmist summarizes that. He says, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made and the whole starry host of them by the breath of his mouth. So the God who spoke creation into being in the first place is also the God who speaks through all of it. Again from the Psalms, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows his handiwork. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. All the languages this morning and many, many others around the world. Their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. So the God who created everything is the God who speaks through everything that there is in the world. It's a wonderful picture. Everybody, of course, is filled with awe and wonder at the universe, at the mountains, at the scenery. But not everybody hears God speak and gets the message. And so all of these words that are spoken were condensed into a final word, a significant word, the word made flesh. So God has made it clear beyond all possible doubt. He's spoken, if you like, a last word to creation in his son. He became flesh and dwelt among us. On earth, his words changed things, of course. Uh, he healed the sick, he raised the dead, he stilled the storms, 
And these things happened the very moment the words left his lips. Absolutely incredible. Jesus spoke and miracles happened. Transformation happened. You remember the uh, centurion who went to him whose uh, servant was paralyzed and dying and he said, will you, um, I want you to heal my son. And Jesus said, well, I'll, I'll come along and uh, speak and you know, I will heal him. And the man said, no, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. Just say the word and he will be healed. And of course, he was. One word was enough spoken by Jesus. No wonder the writer of the Hebrews says, in the past, God spoke to us in many ways through the prophets at many times, but in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things and of the universe. So if we're searching out the meaning of everything that there is, there's one particular word we need to listen to, and that is Jesus. And the tragedy is the world's failure to listen, and as John himself puts it, he came to his own, and his own received him not. But this word which brought everything into being, which was spoken supremely in Christ and continues to be spoken through creation and through the words of Christ, has been written down, which is quite interesting, isn't it? If we, if we want someone to stand by what they've said, if we want the extra sort of authority, conviction, certainty about it, we say, put it in writing, will you? And God has put it in writing for us, has he not? We have the story of his absolute commitment to and covenant with the human race, recorded for all time, so that we have his words. Uh, you can't put the Bible on a pedestal, it's not a magical book, but it is the most amazing book. Here is my favorite passage in the Bible, as translated by J.B. Phillips from 2 Timothy. He says to Timothy, you must go on steadily in all things that you have learnt and which you know are true. Remember from what sort of people your knowledge has come and how from early childhood your mind has been familiar with the holy scriptures which can open the mind to the salvation which comes through believing in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and useful for teaching the faith and for correcting error, for resetting the direction of a man's life and training him in good living. The scriptures are the comprehensive equipment of the man of God and they fit him fully for all branches of his work. That's why I love the Bible. That's why it is the book to which we look for guidance and for strength. But you know, even God's word written is not all that he's done. The final thing that is very apparent in these two passages is that there's a vision of God, a revelation of God. It's not just we've heard him speak, but he's shown himself to us fully in the person of Jesus Christ. And from the very word go, faith has always been linked to a face-to-face -face encounter and relationship with the living God. And uh, Jesus is more than a word, creative and active, though that word is. God has revealed himself to us, turned his face towards us, so we see him in the face 
of Christ. Yes, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And Paul says the same thing in 2 Corinthians. The God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God shining in the face of Christ. People communicate best face to face, don't they? Of course, that's fast diminishing in a way in our modern world. People tap away at their machines, don't they? Computers, tablets, mobiles. Increasingly, you see people even walking together, tapping away on their mobiles. You wonder whether they're you know, talking to each other or not. Uh, there's less face-to-face -face encounter than there used to be. Everyone's at it, it seems. You've seen the notices all over the place, on mugs, on tea towels, in the back of cars, on knickknacks, everywhere. Everybody's doing it. Gardeners do it in wellies. Engineers do it with precision. Mathematicians do it by numbers. Historians do it repeatedly. Bakers do it by the dozen. Pilots do it at 30,000 feet. And you could go on forever, you know the sort of thing. Um, now, it's deliberately provocative and, ambiguity, uh, and ambiguous in its language, but the IT is information technology. Everybody is at it. That's what they're doing. So they're face down, looking at the machines, fingers tapping away. Yeah, you may say Skype and FaceTime and video have relieved that a bit, yes. But we would all say, as we've said, watching services on screens, it is not the same. God hasn't texted. He hasn't shouted through a megaphone. He hasn't left a message on a machine. He has communicated verbally and visually through the person of Jesus Christ. The word become flesh, the image of the invisible God. In Christ, we hear God speaking. In Christ, we see God face to face. We discover the wonder, the beauty, the majesty, the glory, and the love of God himself. For all the fullness of God, Paul tells us, dwells in him. And as we look into his face, it's transforming for us. We who with unveiled faces, Paul says, reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with an ever-increasing degree of glory which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I don't know if anyone will ever produce a satisfactory theory of everything, but the meaning of everything that exists and of our lives is found in the person of Jesus Christ. So the spiritual and cultural transformation that Gus Speth, the American academic, seeks is to be found in Christ and him alone. As we listen to his word, and look into his face. That's how we find meaning and strength as we face the future. That's what will transform us so that we become living letters to others, even something of a mini reflection of Christ to others. So they too are encouraged to look into his face and discover the meaning of everything. That's where we find it. And so you arrive at the text for this year, which actually is gonna be the theme for next Sunday. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. 
as we face the challenges of each day and look into an uncertain future, albeit with the anticipation and excitement this year at the manual of a new vicar on the way, the only way we'll find strength for today and hope for tomorrow is if we look into the face of Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you will help us to seek your face more wholeheartedly than we ever have done. Help us in the intimacy of a relationship with you to find the total meaning for our own lives and of everything that there is in the world and help us to unashamedly be willing to speak of Christ and even display something of Christ through the way we live and speak ourselves. We ask it in his precious name. Amen.